Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Thank you, Jesus. You are the head of the church. You are the bridegroom God. You are the way. Lord, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you today for your glory. Jesus, amen. I I heard this story this week, and the Lord has us in this series that uh, I didn't really plan for at all. He just kind of has been laying it out for a while on a bride made ready. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we looked at the importance of what we set our minds upon and how when we set our minds upon the things of the earth, when we set our minds on natural things, that it's impossible for someone operating in that mind to please God. We looked at that in Romans and the the verse or the, the the passage that we focused on was in Matthew 16. And verse 23 says Jesus turned to Peter after he had the greatest revelation ever by a human being calling Jesus the son of the living God. Then Jesus turns to Peter and says get behind me Satan you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So to be a bride made ready, it's really important that we have our minds set on the right things. So if our minds are set on the wrong things, it it leads our being in the wrong direction, leads our behavior in the wrong direction. Then last week, we we looked at the truth and... um, If you were not here last week, I encourage you to listen to the podcast because I think it's really a critical teaching for where the church in America is right now. And and we were in Luke 12 and John 17 looking at how Jesus warned his disciples that even when they had an abundance of things he said literally your life he said first of all he said be on guard against every form of greed and then he said even when you have an abundance your life does not consist of your possessions and and how that word consist means what, what is your life defined by? 
what is it that defines your life? It's and our we've we've been bombarded all our lives by effective marketers in in our country telling us that our life is defined by things that we have, job that we have, hobbies that we do, uh, sports teams that, that we like, or, or whatever it might be. But then Jesus didn't just tell us what our life does not consist of. Then he, he later, in John 17, he answered the question. He said, now this is eternal life that you may know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That, that is what defines our life. Now, those of you who were here last week, I, I gave you an assignment, and I'm going to ask for honesty here. Uh, how many of you actually went to Revelation chapter 3 and looked at that passage about the Laodicean church. You, you can raise up your hand just a little bit if you did. See, that, that's what I thought. So I'm going to cover that today because it's, it's so critical. There, there, is, there is such a parallel between what Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 12 that we looked at last week and Revelation chapter 3 looking at the Laodicean church that it's almost scary, really. I, I really, I, I want to get your attention about this stuff because as I, I take my my role as a spiritual leader very seriously. And I don't want to lead you in, in the wrong way. Because one of the worst things that could happen to any of us, all of us, on, on the day that Jesus returns is that our heart would be filled with regret for what might have been. How, how we might have lived our life differently, how we might have truly entered into that eternal life of knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ more. Because, you know, what I was saying during worship about Jesus being the way, I, I heard a story a few weeks ago, and, and I've been chewing on it ever since. It, it's, it was a story about this missionary who was in Africa, and he needed to go from one village to another village. And there, there was no road from village A to village B. There, there was just jungle. And, and so the missionary asked the, the leader of the village where he was, 
you know, do, do you have a map? Do you, is, is there a trail? Is, is there a road that can get me from your village to this other village where, where I have to go? And the leader of the village said, no, there's no map. No, there, there is no trail. Uh, but I will give you this boy. And, and the missionary was kind of disappointed because he, he would have preferred a trail and a map and maybe even a GPS, although they, <laughs> although they don't work really well where there's a lot of overgrowth. So in the jungle, it probably, probably wouldn't work very well. So he said, well, okay. And, and so he, he, he looks at the boy and... Uh, you know, he doesn't really know what to say. So he, he asked the boy, do you, do you know the way? And, and, and the boy says, Sir, I am the map. And he just takes off into the jungle. <laughs> and the missionary just has to, you know, try to keep up with him. And... You know, that statement that Jesus made when he said, I am the way. And, and we're going to look at that passage probably in a little bit. Uh, I, I had always thought he was speaking metaphorically that, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to give my life on the cross and I'm going to make a way for you sinners to to get back to God that wasn't really what he was saying he was saying what the boy was saying he was saying I am the way I am the way and and he was saying it to each one of us as he was saying it to his disciples. See, a lot of people have the mistaken view that, that the Bible is our map. That's not true. Now, the, the Bible is our guide of truth, and I, I fully believe that it's the infallible, inspired Word of God, and we need to know it because it is the record of God's dealings with so many people over such a long period that there is great, great instruction for us, but it is not the map for you. And early in my ministry, I, I had this mistaken idea now i understand how mistaken an idea it was that you know as as we all draw nearer and nearer to jesus we're we're just going to get more and more alike isn't that ridiculous it it really is ridiculous because see jesus is the way for you he, he wants to be the one in front of you going through this jungle of life and, and you are looking to him for the way. 
because your way is not my way. There, there is not one path through the jungle and we all just get to single file go on that path. No. He, he has a, a very different path for each one of us because he, he is developing different qualities of Jesus in, in every one of us. He, he is taking each one of us through different things so that when we come together as a body, we, we have so many aspects of who Jesus is. And as, as things in our life do not make sense, there are others in the body who can help us make sense of those things. There, there truly is a need that we have for each other, that we have for Jesus in each other. So, do you get that? Because I, I listened to this message by Terry Bennett yesterday, and it just completely messed me up. And I, I would advise everyone to to listen to it. Uh, it's on YouTube, Terry Bennett, two N's, two T's. The date is August 20th, 2013, if you want to look it up. But don't listen to it now. Because uh, I know some of you have that capability <laughs> with your smartphones. But I, I believe he has the word of the Lord for the hour in which we live. We, we understand that the church in America is, is at a low point of influence. We're, we're, we're at a, a low point of esteem, we're, we're at a low point of power in, in many cases, not in all cases. And, and what has happened is that the church in general, the church corporately in America, has looked to man for the way. We've seen certain Christian leaders have success uh, defined in by a mindset on earthly things, and other leaders have said that must be the way. I will walk in that way. I will. I will do what they're doing because I want what they have. Oof. There's going to be regret on that day for those leaders. And I, I really, you know, as I sought the Lord after 
listening to that message. I don't think we really have any idea how far we are from from true Jesus patterns, from true heavenly patterns in the things that we've built in his name. And as a result, the culture sees. And and they say, well, if, if, if there was anything to this, it would not look like this. That is exactly what they're saying. And as a leader... I'm on my knees because, you know, this, this church, more than any other church that I, I've been a part of in, in my whole life, we, we have tried to seek God's pattern for, for us. Um, he, he gave us a prophetic word real early on about staying out of the ruts in the road. And we finally understood what he was saying, that, that there are ruts in the road. There, there are ways of doing church in our culture that if you fall into those ruts, they will just take you probably where you don't want to go. And, and we, we experienced early on the, the pressure and, and this wasn't from people. This, this was a spiritual pressure that we had to fight to, to not fall into those ruts. And, and we have had to be diligent about not falling into those ruts and about seeking the Lord in what we do and how we do it. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, we're not as far along as we think in, in doing things his way. Those, those, those ruts are deeper than I thought. Because when, when Jesus said some things, John chapter 14, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And I, I have great sympathy for Thomas in what he said because when Jesus told them they know the way, they were thinking one thing and he was thinking something else. They knew Jesus. They're thinking, 
methods, behaviors, plans. <laughs> we, we don't know. And that's what he said, Thomas. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And now they're, they're just getting more confused. Because even Philip, the, the really quiet one, says something at this point. And he says, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And at this point, Jesus is saying, good grief. What do you think I've been doing for the last three and a half years? Which is a paraphrase of what he said. Uh, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. And this is where it gets a little hard for us. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That is the indictment right there. That that evidence that we've been following man rather than Jesus. Because Jesus said it, I mean, he said it in a way that, that means it would just be a natural thing. That if you trust in me as the way, you will just do what I've been doing. And, I mean, he didn't even leave it there. He said, and, and you'll do greater things. So, you know, I, I can't be too hard on us because there, there's hope. You know, we, we have, we've been... Seeing God heal people, we've been seeing him save people, we've been seeing him set people free, we've even seen at least one person that I can remember raised from the dead, who was dead when they called for the ambulance, and by the time they got there, he was alive again. 
Leonard Taylor, who now lives in Laramie. But anyway, those are the things that Jesus had been doing. He had been speaking about the kingdom. He'd been healing the sick. He'd been setting the captives free. He'd been raising the dead. And if Jesus truly is my way, your way, this will follow. If, if some human being is our way, if, if we're following some human being to know how to do things, to know what a worship service should look like, to know what to do in, when we don't know what to do, these things won't follow. I, I think we're making progress. I, I think we're on on the right track, going in the right direction with with the healing rooms that, that meet now every Thursday and some of the outreach things that that we do and loving people and, and helping people we're we're on the right track but you know more more and more it's it's very clear to me that that not knowing what to do next is is the right answer yeah Because when, when we think we know, we're not looking to the one who is the way. When we don't know, we will look to the one who is the way. Because we, we want to know his way for, for me and for you. Because the, the odd thing is, if you and I were in, in virtually the same situation, he, he may tell me to do one thing and you to do the opposite. And, and that could very easily be him. He's, he's, he's after dependence. And that's what his disciples did not get. Their, their minds had not yet been renewed, even though they had been with Jesus. And, and this is what we need to happen, is we need our minds renewed from our experience. Because we've developed way too many theologies based on our experience and our lack of experience so that we, we either can explain why things don't happen or, I don't know. I, but we, we do that. We, we think that way. Because we, we want a methodology rather than a person. And that's what the disciples couldn't get. They... 
They wanted a plan and a method, and Jesus gave them a person. <laughs> and oddly enough, a person who was telling them at that very, in that very conversation that he was about to die and go and leave. And I, I can imagine how they felt. Thomas and, and Philip. Well, what do we do? You're, you're telling us you're, you're going to be gone. But you're the way. How's that going to work? And he goes on, okay? <laughs> Picking up in, in verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. See, he was, he was calling them deeper into relationship right there. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. So that was the way. The, the way was the spirit of truth. See, we have to have even a little more sympathy for the disciples. The Holy Spirit was not yet in them. He had been with them, but not until Jesus died and was raised again and he would blow on the disciples, then the Spirit would enter into them. Just like what the Father had done back in Revelation chapter 2. But Jesus was bringing that spiritual life, imparting that as the Father had done natural life. With, with Adam. So, that was the way. The way was the spirit of truth that would be within us. And so our, this, this puts that statement about eternal life, knowing God and Jesus Christ whom he sent 
it has a lot to do with that third person of the Trinity who resides within us. So our, our primary way of moving forward is increasing our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of God that is within us. That is how the way is revealed to us. But in, in our culture, we have options. See, there are other ways. Because to, to wait on the Holy Spirit within to know the way, well, well that takes time and energy, not doing anything productive. <laughs> right? Uh, see, I'm, I'm not preaching just to you. I'm, I'm preaching to me, too. So don't feel like your toes are the only ones that are getting stepped on. Because we're... We're entering into unprecedented times. And for the people of God, there, there are going to be two responses. There, there are those who are going to become so offended at the natural things that are happening that they turn away. And there are others who, in their desperation, are, are going to turn to the Lord in, in a way that they never have before, in, in order to know the way. Because the, the way that we had last week is, is not going to work this week. And, and the way that worked a couple years ago is not the way that's going to work in a few months. So, the way for us to prepare ourselves is, is to begin seeking God in a new way now. We, we don't have to wait until things get really difficult. And in fact, true wisdom is, is to enter into that seeking immediately so that we truly do know the one who is the way. Because there, there are many, many in, in churches who, who know a lot about the way, the one who is the way, but do they truly know the one who is the way? Because there's that 18-inch that journey 
is, uh, it can be a long one and a, and a difficult one. But we, we must travel, we must make that journey now so that we, we truly know the one who is the way right here. And, and we are sensitive to him. Because our, our life, your life, is, is not what you've been told it is. Your eternal life is the spiritual capital that you have of knowing God. There, there is an authority that is going to be released to the church in our lifetimes that is, is going to blow people away. Because when Jesus said, and you'll do greater things than I've been doing, that's going to happen. But he is not going to give that authority to cold hearts. That, that kind of authority, he, he is only going to give to hearts that are ablaze for him. And see, I, I've had this sense for a few months that, that the Lord wants to take us into greater authority on behalf of the city. And I really didn't know how to get there. But as I've been praying, he's, he's, he's been showing me some things, and that's what I've been sharing with you today. As I, I, I've got to share something that the Lord shared with me back in September of 1997. Some of you probably were hardly even born back then. As I feel like I need to speak this and release it, this is something that, uh, see, I've been praying for a move of God in this city that, that would be bigger than anything I've ever seen for more than 20 years. And I wrote this down in my journal in September of 1997. <laughs> I felt like the Lord revealed his battle plan for Cheyenne back then. I'm not sure I've ever shared this publicly. Um, <clears throat> the first step was to worship God. That was relatively easy to understand. The second step was to wait on God for vision. 
And the Lord shared his vision with me for this city back um, about six years ago, maybe seven. Because for years, you know, this this was 13 years ago, so there was six years or seven years of waiting of the Lord saying, you got to think bigger. And I already was thinking as big as I thought I could was reasonable. I mean, we got to be reasonable, right? No. Where, where the kingdom of God is concerned, we don't have to be reasonable because God is not always reasonable in the ways that, that we think are reasonable. And... I, I can tell you that I can speak these words and release them that all Cheyenne will be saved. And I don't know that that means every single living human being, but it sure means almost every single human being is going to be saved in this city. Because the, the Lord is, is going to do something in this city that is going to change the very culture of this city. And, and that's, that was the vision that, that he gave me. That if, if you have any understanding of the seven mountains of, of culture, that Oz Guinness and Bill Bright and uh, Lance Wall now and others talk about there's religion, which I hate that word. <laughs> but the Lord, the Lord is going to transform the church because that, that culture needs to be shifted. He's, he's going to change government. He's going to change business. The way people think and operate in, in business in Cheyenne is, is going to shift. He's going to shift the education system. He's, he's going to shift the media and, and the entertainment in our city. And there's, there's one or two more that I'm just not thinking of right now. But, but that's what he was talking about. That was, that's the vision. And then, so that was the easy part. The next step was to identify with the sins of the city. And Moses is our example in this. So when the children of Israel going through the wilderness... I mean, they, they would start complaining and they would... They would rise up and rebel against Moses. And, and God would say to Moses, okay, this is it. I'm just going to wipe them off the face of the earth. You and I, we're going to start over. Because Moses had a heart for those people, he would say, no, wait, God. You... 
you can't do that. You've got to have mercy. And see, that's... God has to impart this in our hearts. We, we need a love for this city. And that isn't the buildings and the geography. That's the people. And we, we need to take some responsibility as part of the city for what's wrong in the city. See, I'm, I'm crying out to God because last year in the legislature, when there was a push to approve or to redefine marriage to include same-sex marriage, a lot of pastors in this city were speaking in favor of it. In fact, there were more pastors there speaking in favor of it than against it. That's what we've got to identify with. See, I personally, I've not gone to some of those pastors and talked to them about what they're doing with the name of God. So I, I've got to take some responsibility. And this is what God is asking for us to do. Identify with the sins of our city and our region and ask the Lord for mercy. And ask him to bring about the vision of the harvest and transformation. Step number four was to overcome evil with good. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Good triumphs over evil. If evil is winning, it's because there's not enough good, because good triumphs over evil. And the last step that, that we've not yet entered into, but I think we're close, is to travail until birth. There's a repentance that, that's got to take place on our part for the sake of the city. For God to do what he wants to do. Pour it out, Lord. Jesus is the way. 
There's no other way. There are churches in this city who are saying that there are other ways. I, I've got to do something about that. There, there are churches that, w- that we would consider life-giving churches who, who are saying that there are other ways than Jesus because his presence isn't even there when they gather. And and they don't even know. Lord, wake wake up the church in in this city. And I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 3 now. Because the the worst we we understand something about deception, and and the terrible thing about being deceived or in deception is you don't know you're in deception because you're deceived, right? And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the Laodicean church. They, they have no idea that there is even a problem. But Jesus is outside knocking on the door. So Revelation 3, starting in verse 14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, if you keep that in mind, and then look back at Luke chapter 12, the parallels here are so strong. 
We're picking up in verse 31 of Luke 12. But seek for his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make yourselves purses which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight and, and be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve them and have them recline at the table and he will come up and wait on them. The, the very problems of the Laodicean church are addressed right here in, in Luke chapter 12. The reason that the church in Laodicea did not recognize that they were wretched, poor, naked, and blind is their mind was set on the wrong things. Their mind was set on possessions. They thought their life was defined by their possessions. And they had lots, so they thought they were just great. Their treasure was where their heart was. It was the things of the world. And Jesus advised in Luke chapter 12 for them to, people to sell their possessions and give to the poor in order to have this treasure in heaven. A bag that will not wear out and a treasure that will will be there for eternity. In Revelation 3, Jesus is outside knocking on the door. And in Luke chapter 12, he says, be ready. So that when the bridegroom comes at a time when you do not expect him, you can open the door immediately and let him in. And that if you do, He will bring you into the wedding feast. He will have you sit down and he will serve you. It's because he knows this is not easy. Okay? What, what I'm saying is this is not easy. This, this is not an easy message. This, this is not a, a pleasant, nice message that, that I really would like to give. I mean, I don't know if I know how to do that anymore. Uh, 
Serious times require serious measures. We're, we're in serious times. Who knows what's going to happen with the federal government? It, it's a mess. The economy is the worst it's ever been in my lifetime. The, the participation rate is, is the lowest it's ever been in, in my lifetime. And even with that, the unemployment rate is still high. Now, thing, things, are, things are not good. A few good shakings and houses of cards are, are going to fall down. And then, we better know the one who is the way. So, understand what your life truly consists of. Because we, we as the people of God, we, we have entered into eternal life already. And that's why Jesus said it the way that he did. And this is eternal life. To know God and Jesus Christ whom he, he sent. God has, has wanted a people who were his on the earth to be priests for the nations. Will we be that people? See, we, in America, we, we, we've looked at salvation as, as an end rather than a beginning. Yeah, it, it is the door. <laughs> But we, we've, we've looked at it as, as the end. Ah, you're saved. Well, that's, that's great. Now, now we can just go on with life as usual. And uh, you don't have to worry about eternity because that is settled. That is not the way. Jesus had some things to say about that way. Those who want to keep their life will. But those who lose their life for my sake will actually find it. So, uh, I want you to pray into the battle plan. As I, I think we're almost to the last step. But I'm telling you, the last step is, is going to be painful. This travail is about God sharing his heart with us. And we have to be prepared 
to have our heart broken as, as his is broken. So let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that you are an amazing father. Uh, you, you teach, you discipline, you impart vision, you, uh, you do everything so amazingly, perfectly that a father needs to do. And I, I pray, Father, that we would enter into this battle plan with you on behalf of our city. That we would do that in a new way, in a deeper way. And Father, I, I repent on our behalf for following the ways of man rather than the man, Christ Jesus. And I pray for revelation for us to, to know him as our personal way. So Lord, heal our minds, renew our minds, heal our wrong thinking and share your heart with us in Jesus name Amen there comes a time when life as we've known it just doesn't work anymore and we're we're in those times So the Lord bless you all and keep you and shine his revelation upon you and give you his peace. Amen.